0: you're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be back together, isn't it? And it's been a long time. So good to be with you. Hey, if you've got a Bible, open it up. We're in Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah for the next five weeks. And, uh, it's an incredible story about a guy who's a believer. Uh, it takes place about 700 plus years before the time of Jesus Christ. Very uh, influential kind of uh, ministry leader in the nation of Israel. And God does this powerful work in and through him, but it doesn't come without crazy issues in his own life. He's uh, kind of like a rebel. And he hears from God, and then he kind of runs the opposite direction. Kind of reminds me of one of the dogs I trained one time. I'm a bird hunter. I love to hunt and fish, and I was training this dog, and every time I said, come, the dog would run the opposite direction. And so, like, what is wrong with this dog? And so, in in training with with, uh, dogs, you find out real quick the genetics and how good these dogs are going to be. One day, I'm out there training the dog. I say, come, and the dog goes the opposite direction. And I'm like, this dog is either dumb or very confused. And 90% of training, by the way, with dogs is about the trainer, not the dog. Most dogs are really good. It's the trainer's problem. So I'm like, what's wrong with me as a trainer? So one day I'm out by the street and I say, "Cup," my dog runs out right in the street when a car comes by and hits the car. And the guy jumps out of the car and says, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I hit your dog. I'm like, nope, my dog hit your car. My dog hit your car. You didn't hit my dog. And then sure enough, I just, my dog finally started learning to come. Sometimes in life, you're going to realize that it's going to be a hard lesson for you to learn how to follow God, hear his voice, and do what this word says, arise, and be the Christian that God's calling you to be. We're in an incredible time of difficulty in the, in our, the history of our country, where it is not popular and cool to be Christian. I believe that we're going to see an incredible apostasy of believers, believers walking away from the church, walking away from Jesus in the years ahead, because it is so uncool to be Christian. And Jonah is the story, I hope, of maybe the story like you. If hardship comes, a challenging call comes upon your life, you may decide to be the rebel and run the opposite direction but God's relentless grace is gonna pursue you, find you, and then finally you're going to obey. A lot of times we, we get into trouble in life because of, of foolish mistakes that we make. We, we choose something very unwise or ungodly and, and it gets us into trouble. And honestly, right, listen, sometimes the pain is probably perhaps the greatest lesson that we can learn from. Sometimes your hardship is the the thing that God needed to do in your life in order to get you to walk in holiness. Uh, I think for me, as I look back on my life, and I can relate to Jonah tremendously is what we're going to see the storyline of, is this is a guy who had to learn through hardship. He had to learn through some pain, some suffering, some challenging and oftentimes is what that indicates is there's a little foolishness inside of us because wise people don't need hardship to learn. They can go to the classroom, they can go to church, they can hear something and then they apply it in their life and they move out. But foolish people, this is how it works. Hey, did you understand what I said to you? Yeah, so I understand what you said to me. Okay, and then they go and do the exact opposite thing that you want them to do. And you're like, what is wrong with you? And then they get hurt and something bad happens and then they learn, oh, maybe I should listen up more. The story of Jonah is the story of a man who has to learn through hardship, um, some pain, some trial, and there's a divine force, God himself working in the midst of all this. So Jonah chapter one, verses one through six, we're going to jump into that and uh, and we're going to learn a lot about it. So you go, if you've got a Bible, open it up. I would say keep it there. We're going to work through uh, six verses this morning, and then over the next four weeks, I'll finish out the book and want to encourage you to be studying in the book of Jonah. In fact, I've written five devotionals that kind of come alongside the teaching that I do day by day. If you want to start into kind of a new season and growing in your depth and understanding and the application of God's Word in your life, go onto our website, and you'll find all the devotional content there for you to be able to do that day by day. So we'll be doing that over the next five weeks or so. So it says, uh, Jonah chapter one, verse six, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for evil has come up before me. Now, let's just start in the beginning. The Word of the Lord came to God. God spoke in powerful, uh, supernatural ways to individuals throughout redemptive history. He uh, raised up prophets. He's raised up kings. Uh, back in that time, this is 700 plus years before the time of Jesus Christ, there's not a full uh, canon of Scripture. There's not an Old Testament, a New Testament. There's There are, the Pentateuch exists, the Psalms exist. So there are Scriptures, but the totality of Scripture, the one that you and I hold. The Bible is not in Jonah's hand. God speaks in a supernatural way to get Jonah's attention, and he says this word. He says, Jonah is in Israel. Jonah is a prophet. Jonah uh, advises a king um, by the name of Jeroboam second. Jonah is pretty good at what he does. How many of you guys have ever seen prophecies or predictions, people online or videos coming your way, and you've seen people predicting things? Jonah's predictions are good. Like, and actually, it promotes him to popularity. He's working in Israel, uh, and he's, uh, he's prophesied, and the kings are kind of working in alliance with him, like perhaps the governor or a, 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 a president or a powerful leader. They'll have religious people around them from time to time, like, hey, give me the divine inside scoop. So, uh, Jonah is that. He's kind of like this political figure. He loves uh, Israel. He's a patriot, uh, beyond all understanding, he loves his country, he loves working for, uh, working alongside the, the government. He stands strong, he sees corruption going on, but he stands strong, and then he prophesies, he makes a prediction. he says that israel 's going to expand its territories, Israel 's going to be blessed Israel 's going to do that, and it happens. And so now he's got the attention of the political figures in his life. His career's going good. He's got a cush job. He's probably got a family enjoying some time there in the Mediterranean climate. I mean, it's nice. Jonah's doing good. And then something happens. A word of the Lord comes to him and says, arise. And and so arise, this word means that he's going to, maybe he was sleeping. The Bible doesn't tell us. But arise means to literally like get up. Or maybe it means something more spiritual significance, which we're going to talk about later. But he says, "Go to Nineveh." Okay, Just news flash real quick. Nineveh's not a good place. Uh, it, it, it's a tough place even now. Nineveh is, is in Mosul in northern Iraq today. So you remember ISIS, the, the Islamic state taking over that city that happened in the news? You remember that? Like 2014, 2016, or something like that? That happened. This is a very dangerous place. There's always been tensions in the Middle East. Why is that? Israel. A lot tied to the issues that are going on politically. And God says, I need you to go there. Imagine if somebody came to you today, said, hey, I heard a word from the Lord. You need to get up. You need to go to Masul today. And there are some people there that will literally persecute you, imprison you, and perhaps even behead you for being a Christian. Go tell them that God sent you. Nobody would listen. Ain't nobody signing up for that trip? Nope. So he says, arise and go to Nineveh. How far is Nineveh? Nineveh is literally like 750 miles away from Israel. That'd be like walking from Phoenix up to Flagstaff and then saying, I'm gonna keep going. I got this. I'm going to Denver, baby. Denver, that's how far it would be. He says, go to Nineveh, that great city. This is a bad city. This is a bad people. These people are brutal in in their military power. They do not like Israel. God has used them in the past to kind of uh, punish Israel's disobedience and other neighboring countries. And so Jonah knows all this. He's like, that's the last place I want to go. He's got a good job. He's got a good thing going on. Things are, things are cooking and rolling and rocking. He's like, no, I don't want to arise and go to Nineveh. Nineveh was also the place where um, the, the, the kings and the leaders and the military might, what they would do to display their power is that when they would capture soldiers of neighboring nations, they would skin them alive, they would impale them upon a spear, and then if that wasn't enough, they'd light them on fire at night. And so... This is like the most God-awful, horrific kind of message Jonah could get. Um, And then, you know, modern-day archaeologists I read about uh, recently um, uh, in in recent days past uh, found uh, Nineveh, the actual stone walls. That's what I love about the Bible. All the geography lines up in real-day, real-life issues I mean, you see it in the news. You don't need to be like, oh, that's so disconnected from the Bible. No, that's totally connected to the Bible. So archaeologists found this stone wall surrounding Nineveh and in 15 different gates around the Nineveh of massive stone bulls buried. And that symbolized the power and the might, the brutality and the beastliness of this uh, country. In this city, it was one of the greatest cities in ancient world. It was uh, at one time and point in another, it was one of the most powerful cities in the world. And so the reality is, is I mean, these, these, these beastly creatures are the symbol and the sign of power and might. Maybe you saw recently in the news that lady that was out taking pictures in South Dakota of that big gigantic bison. Bison just tosses her around and you're like, what are you doing? Why did you get that close? Recently, I was up in the Grand Canyon and I'm like walking around in um, this, uh, this lodge and like there's elk running around and I get it. Now I know how the lady got in trouble because I'm like, oh, check out that elk. And I'm like starting to get real close and I'm taking pictures and this guy walks up to me and he goes, that elk will kill you, man. And I'm like, what? And so I b- back away, of course, you know, and I forget they got baby calves and all that. The point is, is that Nineveh is a nasty place. And it's the last place Jonah really wants to go. And then look at the message that, that, that Jonah's supposed to say. Hey, call out against it. Why don't you tell them how bad they are? Tell them how rotten they are. Imagine Jonah like, no, N-O. Spells, no, 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 no. I'm not calling out against it. For their evil has come up before me. Were they doing evil? Absolutely, yes. Their worship, they were doing children's sacrifices. These are twisted, dark people. And God's gonna call Jonah to go do something. Verse three, let's look what Jonah does. He rose to flee to Tarshish. Remember, it's like a, like a dumb dog goes the opposite way. Tarshish, by the way, is southern Spain. Oh, that's the place I'd like to go. I mean, I don't know. Have you been to Spain before? Okay, you guys need to travel. Need to travel. Um, Spain is beautiful. Southern Spain is even more beautiful. It's just Incredible. And uh, my sister spent like a a year there studying abroad. And I was actually, we were planning on planting a church in Madrid, Spain, before we came here. And God shut the door on that place. And I'm like, Lord, why did you shut the door? I love Spain. No, I'm joking. I love being here in Phoenix. But he goes the opposite direction. Look in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Tarshish is modern-day Spain, southern uh, southern Spain. Um, From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa. That would be a coastal little island, or not a coastal island, a coastal city, which is now uh, known as Tel Aviv. In Israel, he goes down. He finds a ship going to Tarshish. He just so happens, things start kind of lining out when you start to disobey God. Don't be surprised It literally the devil just kind of rolls everything out for you. I hear people say all the time, Christians say, well, uh, you know, when God opens a door, you know, it's an opportunity and I, I want to take every opportunity. No, let me tell you something. The devil can create opportunities in your life too. And so he finds this ship, he jumps on board, he's away from the presence of the Lord and it's in the complete opposite direction, okay? So in Israel, imagine Israel, Israel. Uh, he's supposed to travel. God said, go to Nineveh, 750 plus miles northeast. And then Jonah goes, nah, not going to do it. I'm going to go southwest. Southwest, there you go. That's a great, great, great travel company. Go southwest. He's going to get on the boat and he's going to go down to Southern Spain. I mean, honestly, you would do that probably too. I mean, if you are so bold and brave and you tell me after service, no, I would go straight up to Nineveh. I would tell those people what's up and I would say, God's gonna rain down on you. I mean, man, you need to be on our missionary team, okay? We're gonna send you out, baby. We're gonna take you to the most uh, uh, remote places of the earth to share the good news of God. So Jonah doesn't do that. What does he do? Verse four, he jumps on that boat Starts heading away, but look what God does. And the story of Jonah is just not about Jonah. It's also about God and his mighty mercy. Verse four, but the Lord, Lord hurled, that's like a, I mean, if I hurled this, I'd grab the stand and just throw it. Hurled it. God did that. What did he do? He hurled a great wind, or some of your translations say storm, upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that... That's important. That explains purpose. That explains God's intention. So that the ship threatened to break up. What was God doing? He's stopping Jonah. He's going to get a hold of him. He's going to send a storm into his life to slow him down. And you say to me, "Man, that just sounds tough." It does sound tough, but let me ask you a question. The storm that you're going through right now, how's it going? Are you feeling discouraged, beat up? Let me ask you a question. Are you running in disobedience from God? Because you can find yourself, those of you that love to spend and love to shop and it's therapeutic, you find yourself going, ah, I don't think I should do that. The Holy Spirit kind of ministering to me or my husband said this or my wife said this. I probably shouldn't buy this, but you just keep doing it and then you keep doing it and the next thing you know, you find yourself in a financial storm and it's something really you induced upon yourself. Jonah, in a sense, brought this upon himself. He was way close with God, and he's going to bring this storm upon himself. The Lord is going to direct it, and he's going to stop that boat from going to southern Spain. Verse 5, the mariners, these are sailors. These guys, for a living, literally, are international travel and international... uh, transportation of goods and services. The mariners were afraid. Of course they were. And, but look what they did. Each cried out to his God. That's exactly what happens when life just goes crazy. It doesn't matter if you're Christian, non-Christian. You just start praying. So, and they hurled, there's that word again. And, and Jonah is the one who said to be, by the way, the author of this. So he's capturing the detail of this. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them they're losing their livelihood. They're tossing everything aboard. They move from being sailors to survivors real quick. But Jonah, let's look what Jonah does. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. That's funny. I mean, you're gonna go to sleep you're running from God, and then you're going to go to sleep in the midst of it. Maybe he was tired. I mean, how far was it from Israel to Joppa? It's actually like 40 miles. I mean, that's, that would wear me out. Like, if you asked me to go walk 40 miles, I mean, like, I don't, I don't do that. Maybe a mile or two, but 40 miles. So, he went, maybe he's tired. Or maybe he's spiritually, emotionally exhausted, you ever been there before where you're walking in disobedience? You're not trusting God. You're not listening to God. You have put down his word and you do what you want to do. You're physically, emotionally, spiritually drained. The life's been sucked out of you. He's, he's asleep is what it says. And verse six, so the captain came down and said to him, now, now the boss, the boss on the boat starts to say something. The boss on the boat said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Hello, grab them by the collar, shake them up a little bit. These guys are not wimps. They're very tough. They are out in the sea all the time. They got calluses. They got sunburns. These guys are tough. They handle all sorts of cargo. That cargo would have been filled with perhaps wine, perhaps uh, uh, from the vineyards in the Mediterranean uh, 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 climate there, a perfect place to grow grapes and vineyards and olives and all this stuff. They just tossed over their livelihood. And they find out perhaps that Jonah this guy, this prophet from Israeli newspapers, maybe, newsflash, prophet runs from God. And they're like, no, 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 no. What would you do? So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give thought to us that we may not perish. So some people have asked, you know, is Jonah real? I think uh, Jonah is real. I think that, you know, it's mentioned in the Old Testament. It's verified in 2 Kings, referencing to Jonah and his role as a prophet. And then in the New Testament, Jesus refers to Jonah. And so I believe that we can actually take Jonah as a real story. Later, you're going to find out next week, the dude is cast over the boat in the middle of the storm, He's swallowed by this big fish, this whale, and I would say as a protection device for his life and uh, because he didn't drown. And God saves him, preserves him. He prays, he repents, and then he goes to Nineveh. It's a good story. It's a crazy, cool story. But it's not fiction or fable. It's true. Um, Jesus referenced it. The Old Testament uh, references this as true as well. So I heard a funny story of a teacher who asked her student... Who was drawing a picture of Jonah in the belly of a whale? And she said, What's that? And the little girl said, It's Jonah inside the belly of a whale from the Bible. The student replied, and the teacher said, Well, she was an atheist, and she says, You know, that didn't really happen. And the little girl kind of looked a little sad, but she kept drawing, and she says, Well, when I get to heaven, I'll just ask Jonah about it. And then the teacher says, Well, (laughs) what if heaven is not real? And uh, what if he's not in heaven at all? What if he's not in heaven? Little girl said, well, then you ask (laughs) him. So, is Jonah real? Yeah, Jonah's real. Um, Please. We serve a God who... Biblical history tells us he freed millions of uh, Israel Israel uh, Israelite slaves, the Jewish people, out of bondage from Egypt under Pharaoh. Moses was raised up a, a normal, humble man who trusted God, and miraculous powers happened in and through him. A great display of supernatural activity happening. Why? Because God will do whatever it takes to get His job done. So God splits the Red Sea. The Israelites, the Jewish folks, walk. through millions of them. They're going back to God's promised land. Then you see in the New Testament, our Lord and Savior Jesus, the first miracle he makes, he attends a wedding, he turns water into wine, then he turns around and he starts doing miracles, healing the blind, healing the sick, raising the dead. That's our God, ladies and gentlemen. You can't approach the Bible with a naturalistic, realistic mindset and say, well, if it doesn't fit in normal stuff and I can't explain it, then I... I can't accept it because I'm intelligent. No, I'm sorry. The Bible is the definition, it is it is the account of how all things came together. Does it answer all the questions in life that we face? No, it really doesn't. We need science, we need medicine, we need understanding of astrology and astronomy or whatever. We need we need to understand it all. And we need God uses people, but is the scripture authoritative and true, yes. I stand with many of hundreds and thousands and perhaps even millions of other pastors, leaders, ministry leaders, scholars, thinkers, writers that would say Jonah's a historical account of what actually took place. And what's unique about Jonah, you're getting big introduction on Jonah. What's unique about Jonah is it's a prophetic book, minor prophets, major prophets in your Old Testament. All the other prophet books, by the way, they're actually unfolding the issue of the message, but not the messenger. Jonah's story is about the messenger. It's about himself. That's why I'm going to challenge you now. I'm begging you out of God's grace and blessing for God's blessing in your life. Put yourself in his shoes today because um, the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want grace in your life. I've been praying for you as a church to be strong, to rise up, Face your face the challenges that you face. Face your fears. Face your frustrations. Face all that. And then let God work in the midst of the hardship that you're in. So if we can place our shoes, our feet in Jonah's shoes, I believe you're going to have to humble yourself a little bit because you're going to find out you, you did some dumb things too in life. and that. But in that, there's going to be incredible blessings. So my encouragement is, one, is look at Jonah as you're like Jonah. There's a little Jonah in you. Two is, look at God. He's great, powerful, almighty. He's not a bad God. He's a good God. His character and nature never fail. He actually is really good, even what looks like it's a mean thing, throwing a big storm. He actually is, it's his relentless grace that's going to be the common theme in this thing. And what your call is going to be is to arise. And I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. But first, let's get into what we share in common. First, what we share in common with Jonah is fear. You and I get afraid. We get freaked out. Uh, There's kind of like a dark cloud of fear resting over our nation right now. You're afraid um, where you go eat. You're afraid of where to, uh, how to engage. You're afraid on what you post on social media. You're afraid to express your Christian views. You're afraid, definitely afraid, to express your political views. You're afraid... And I think we can relate to that. Fear is a normal thing. Fear can be a good thing. I mean, um, you've seen the shirts, no fear. Like, I'm a rock climber. Like, I, I, it was in the past. And I, you need a little fear. Like, it's important to have a healthy respect. You go swimming out in the ocean, that current... You don't just swim out there like, hey, man, I got this. You know, like, no, there's riptides. You can get sucked down. Like, you need a little fear. Jonah is afraid. He's afraid for personal concerns. He doesn't know what his reputation's gonna hold. He knows that personally, I don't wanna make that trip 750-something miles up to Nineveh. I'm having a good thing going on here in Israel. He's afraid, like, that's gonna wear me out. That's frustrating. Uh, He's afraid of the Ninevites. He's afraid that if he preaches a message to them, hey, I'm gonna call you out, they're gonna take him out. That's what he's afraid of. He knows that if he starts telling them that they're wrong, that they're in sin, that they're I mean, how many when was the last time you did that? Even to a nice person. Hey, I just want to tell you you're in sin. I want to tell you, I'm gonna call you out right now. You should repent. I mean, that's bold language. But the but the people that he's saying this to will skin him alive. They will impale him on a spear. So what do we share in common? We're afraid like he's afraid. We're also frustrated. Jonah's frustrated. Personally, he's very frustrated. He's frustrated with God. Why do you do this in my life? Now look at you. You sent a storm into my life. You're calling me to leave my comfort of my palace and the protection of peace. I got a good thing going on. God, you spoke to me so clearly. I predicted the Israel's expansion and territorial gain, and that was good. But now you're telling me to go to Nineveh? We hate those people, by the way. Is what Jonah is saying. He's frustrated. You ever been frustrated with God? Jonah's frustrated politically. He believes he's like those people are evil people, evil kings in Nineveh, and I bet you're going to do something real stupid, God. Like you're going to you're going to grant them mercy. You're going to grant them grace, and that's a frustrating thing. I mean, you've ever been to a funeral before where everybody's acting like this person was a great person? No, he was. You work really hard to find all the good things to say about this individual. But deep down, you're like, that person was rotten to the core. I did a memorial service like that. I hate doing memorial services like that where you got to dig as a preacher. You're like, okay, can you tell me one thing good about this person? And then when you do it, everybody's mad at you. Like, that's not what happened. The kids are like, Ugh. you know, that, that's, that's what Jonah's feeling. Don't you dare mess with none of our God. Those people don't deserve nothing. So, and then lastly, he's finished. Why did he run? He ran because he resigned. That's why. He was resigning his official office, he wanted a nonprofit job. Nobody got that. Okay. I tried. Uh, he wanted a nonprofit. He didn't want to be a prophet anymore. He's done. He wants to go into the nonprofit side of things. And so he's frustrated. He's finished. He's, he's done. He's resigned. Uh, would he have known Psalms 139? Uh, Lord, if you're there in the depths wherever I go, you're there in the heights and the greatness. He would have known all that, but he didn't care. Why did he run? Because he was done. You ever felt that before? You're just finished? Old song, I quit, I give up. No, nothing's good enough for anybody. Like, you you just get feeling like you're done. So I think we can relate to Jonah. And then, what are some lessons to live by? I'll walk through these pretty quickly. Number one is that you realize that obedience calls you up. When God uses that word arise for Jonah, let me just tell you, that's a prophetic word, not only for Jonah, but for every believer. Um. The spiritual meaning and the significance behind a rise is great because it means a call up. And the truth is, is sin and self will always drag you down. God in his word, his spirit, and God's people always call you up. God, even the apostle Paul said, set your minds on things what? Above, N- not on earth. And the psalmist says, look to the heavens, look to the hills. Where does your help come from? Come from the maker of heaven. Heaven is up in the Bible. This word "arise," obedience calls you up. As a Christian, you have to know you're constantly being pulled down into moral and spiritual apathy, and moral and spiritual, um, uh, uh, just a a, a, just a a spiritual death in a sense. And and God calls you up in life. And then the word literally means, for Jonah, is that he's to arise. It's mentioned two different times. By the way, God spoke it the first time, said, Jonah, arise, get up. The second time, we just saw that it's the captain. It's a non-Christian or a non-believer would be the better uh, 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 phrase on that. A non-believer who tells Jonah to arise. Literally, it means you need to get up. You need to go do something. And the literal meaning behind that word arise in the original um, languages is that it means to literally get up, go do something, and get ready to endure it. So if somebody says to you, arise, that means it's time to go, baby. You gotta get. You gotta go. Stand strong. Get ready. Jonah's going to have to do that. Um, and it's interesting to me that, that this is a challenge for us, is that we need to realize that obedience always calls you up. And then on the flip side, disobedience always kind of drags you down. Every time you, you you are running away from God, you're disobeying him, there's things that are in your life that are trying to help you to tell you what to do. You have the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor in your life constantly working through your conscience, working through your emotions, working through your intellect, helping you when you open the Bible to understand what it says to you so that you can figure it out. You got the Holy Spirit, then you've got God's word trying to tell you what to do, how to live, not because he, God wants to control you. He wants to give you life is what wants to do and then you've got godly people in your life that want to help speak into your life and help you walk away from disobedience and leading you down and but the reality is is that there's disobedience leads us down Satan the demons and all those ungodly and unrighteous in, in the that uh, uh, rejected Jesus and rejected God in times past are down sin drags us down godliness and obedience brings us up. And you're in a fight as a Christian. Constantly, gravity, the law of gravity is that all things that come up must come down in a sense. The spiritual effect of that is that you have sin and self and Satan that are always trying to pull you down. And you've got to realize there's this resistance in your life that's happened. Lessons to live by. Disobedience always leads you down. Uh, Recently, I saw in the newspaper or maybe it was a, I don't know, somewhere on my phone or something, but the Seahawks guy, the rookie, the rookie that uh, decided to disobey, uh, he brought in his, uh, tried to sneak in his girlfriend into the uh, sports team's uh, hotel room. Can't imagine that conversation. Okay, sweetie, this is gonna be cool. Like, let me dress you up real quick. Ooh, you look good in a football helmet. Ooh, let's put some shoulder pads on you. Yeah, there we go. So he tries to lead his girlfriend in, and what do they do? They cut him. He's done he's in trouble. That messed up his life. It actually messed up the team's uh, message and and what they're trying to do. They were doing that to try to protect those players. They were doing that uh, to try to establish some boundaries because they've got a franchise to run. Here's the reality with disobedience. Listen to me. Disobedience always leads you down. And it doesn't only hurt you, it hurts everybody else along with you. Um, you look at the life of Jonah. What did Jonah do? He disobeyed God, went the opposite direction, did exactly what he wanted to do, got on the boat, and guess who uh, got affected by that? All the sailors. Guess what they lost? All the precious cargo. They lost, they lost their livelihood. Do you know how angry they would be? Do you know how mad they would be? That was wine, that was olives, that was seeds, and, 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 and all this stuff that we had, and that was gonna give us a year's worth of wages. All gone. My question to you is In your disobedience, have you calculated the ripple effect that happens? When you decide to disobey God, run from God, do your own thing, do you realize it only, not only hurts you, but it hurts everybody else that's around you? I think about the, the spouse that says, Well, I'm going to put work in front of my family. Well, who does that hurt? Well, it hurts them, but it also hurts everybody in that family. Or what about the addict who can't get away from the drugs and the alcohol or the pills? Does it hurt them? It hurts them. But guess who else it hurts? All the kids, all the family, everybody else. If you're employed somewhere, it hurts all your employees. It hurts everything. What we fail to realize sometimes is the magnitudes, this ripple effect, I call it, of disobedience. God's ways are the best ways. The Christian life is the best life. Disobedience always leads you down, and there is a ripple effect in that. It will hurt other people in your life if you choose to do that. And so, thirdly, I think we need to realize that it's just dumb to run. I mean, you know, when I turn on the TV, I do kind of enjoy watching. Um, Sometimes you ever seen those high speed chases that go on and and then the guys are in the choppers have got the cameras. I mean, like I love technology now because you can see everything. And then you got people like on the street, Facebook living it. They're like, whoa, look at this idiot. They're driving through the city and then the choppers are flying and you're like, dude, why are you, why are you driving like that? They're blowing through barricades it looks like they're going like 20 miles an hour but they're like going 80 100 or whatever and they're going and they're going and going it's dumb to run that's the lesson with jonah it's just dumb to run i mean there's a news flash going out israeli newspapers are saying the 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 prophet the ministry leader is running from god i mean he's being it's just dumb like everybody knows especially the religious community in israel Dude, it's dumb to run. Like, how, you can't outrun God. They'd read the Psalms. They know God. You can't outrun God. Like, duh. You know, I mean, recently, I love, I love all kinds of music. I like uh, classic old country music. I, like, I even like the new pop country music. I, uh, but I like some of these guys, but it is kind of interesting. Like a guy like Chris Stapleton, a country music singer. Like, recently, I found out he did a song with Khalid and Drake. I'm like, what is that? That's crazy. It's a newsflash in my little world. And I think when we, when we think about like Jonah doing this, this is like a newsflash for all of Israel. The prophet, the so-called ministry leader, runs from God. As a believer, when you act in complete defiant disobedience, What do you see? The media and the news and all over the place, your name is smeared. You look like an idiot. Your friends tell you, aren't you a Christian? Why are you acting like this? What's wrong with you? And let me just tell you something. If God spoke to you or challenged you on an issue or something in your life, somebody said something, you should respond. You need to start running towards God. Don't run away from God. It's always dumb to run. Number four, I challenge you that just realize that God will do whatever it takes. Will he send a storm into your life? Yes, he will. Some of the, I call them, uh, I call them uh, self-induced storms. Like in a sense, like, you kind of did it, but God's going to use it for good. So the person that just has a habitual habit of spending tons of money or a gambler or somebody who's an addict or somebody who just has put success at the top of the chain, like there's going to be a storm. There's a storm a-brewing is what's happening. And it's kind of a a self-induced or self-appointed, in a sense, storm. Does Jonah do that? That's exactly what Jonah does. Did God chase him down? He did. Did he do it in a very nice way? It didn't seem very nice. It was pretty tough. God is loving and he's just. So don't paint God out to be just this fluffy, lovey, person in the sky, everything's cheer. Like, no, he's serious about stuff. He's calling you to a radical obedience in relationship with him because his ways are the best ways. And he wants to protect you. And he's got a plan that's bigger than you. And he wants to use you. And he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Jonah didn't want to do that. So it's dumb to run. And God uses whatever it takes, whatever storm that you're in right now, uh, the question that I would have if I were you is A, did I, did I kind of bring this upon myself or B, does this just crazy stuff happen? And, and it's either or. And nobody really knows besides really you unless it's just blaring obvious like the alcoholic or the or the addict. They get into it and they're like, I don't know why my family is just terrible. Everybody hates me. Of course they do. You're drinking all the money in the family. You're draining the bank accounts. You're acting like a fool. Nobody wants to be around you because you, you're you rude and you're mean when you're like that. And this massive storm begins to take place. And here's the good news in it is God will meet you in that storm. God God can bring you through that storm. He might use you know, uncharacteristic or out of the norm kind of situations and circumstances to get your attention, but he's God. Secondly, I want you to realize that God will do whatever it takes when he decides to use non-believers. I remember a time um, I didn't want to listen. I had a lot of Christian friends telling me when I was single, you should meet. And this girl named Leslie Rice, she's beautiful. She loves Jesus Christ. She's amazing. And I would read the Bible. I heard about her. I was like, man, she does seem great, uh, but I don't know. And then one day I'm out climbing with my non-Christian friends. This guy's name was Warren. This guy does not like Jesus. This guy does not like the church. And we're out climbing one day, and I think he's probably stoned or something. And he's like, hey, Ryan. Hey, man. There's this girl you need to meet. Her name is, hang on. Leslie, yeah. I say, why do I need to meet her? He says, well, I think, I think you'd marry her. And I said, wow, really, Warren, why do you think that? And he says, she's a Christian, you're a Christian, you're the only two Christians I know. And I'm like, Warren, it's, it's, it's a little more than that, you know, like, I don't know. So I finally, you know what? I felt like God said that day, hey, Ryan, I use Warren in your life because you don't listen I, I told you, I, I tried to use that pastor in your life. I tried to use that Bible verse I gave you the other day in your little morning devotional about the P31 woman, you know? I tried to use all that, and you know about Leslie, but I'm gonna use Warren to speak up into your life. So I'm climbing, and I'm like, dude, like, could God be speaking through Warren? Like, Warren hates Jesus. He hates the church, and I don't even know why he's my friend. And... I walk away from that moment and I'm like, it's kind of a Jonah moment. I'm like, God can do anything He wants. He's got a sign over His office that says, Whatever it takes in your life. He's just got that sign because He loves you so much. He's like, I don't care. I'll use anybody and everything. I'll do whatever it takes because I want you to know me. I want you to live for me. I want you to love me. So, God saves. Number five is God saves. He's a merciful, mighty God. God saves. God's going to save Nineveh. God has a passion to see people that are guilty and terrible in, in, of sin. They've lived a crazy uh, life. He says, I'm good with that. Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, I, Jesus came to save sinners. So, God saves in this So lesson to live by is Don't ever underestimate the grace of God Don't ever underestimate the mercies of God Don't ever write yourself off Or write somebody else off Because they kind of messed up Um, God saves And he wants to save that nation uh, Nineveh Uh, He wants to save them and so, last last encouragement to you is to come home. Some of you may be running from God for a very long time, and you just need to come home. That's the message. Um, Jonah should have come home. Well, what's home? To Israel, but I don't mean Israel. Home for him was Israel. The spiritual meaning of home would be for him, Nineveh. That's tough. Being home with God means you're present with God. You're you're at at peace. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is is a dwelling place for you. Obedience is being home with God. As a Christian, you're at your best. You're blessed. You have feel peace. Even in weird and crazy situations, if you're simply being obedient. Home for Jonah was actually Nineveh. That's where home was. It wasn't Israel. That's his his logical, literal home. Spiritually speaking, home is Nineveh. We need to come home with God. Whatever that costs us, whatever that challenges us to do, we need to come home with God. I heard a story recently of a story of a young man who had fought with his father. Reminds me a lot of my story because I fought with my dad a whole lot um, prior to becoming a Christian. I remember having throwdowns with him out in the rice ranch uh, with my dad and if you know my dad or you've been around long enough you know we got a great relationship now. So I heard this story about this young man though and he got into a fight with his dad and he left home ends up running away and he continued to keep in touch with mom. Mom has a way of doing that you know wants to kind of keep in touch with her wayward son. He continued to keep in touch with his mom and wanted really badly maybe to come home for Christmas. Hey. And But he was afraid that his father wouldn't allow him to do that because there was there was not forgiveness. There wasn't peace in the home. So his mother wrote to him and urged him to come home. But he didn't feel like he could until his father had forgiven him. And finally, there was no more time for, for letters and communication. And his mother wrote in, that she would talk with the father. And if he forgave him, then she would tie this white rag onto a tree right alongside these railroad tracks. This takes place a long time ago, right near their home. That, that way he could see if the train reached the station and, and there was no white rag or white flag on this tree, then it would just be better if he just kind of kept on moving. And so, the young man was kind of excited, kind of scared, jumps on this train, and as he's drawing near to his home, he knows the station's coming up too, and so he's nervous, and he says to his friend, you know, that's traveling with him, he says, hey, listen, I can't bear to, to look, you know, would you sit in my place and look out the window? And uh, he says, tell me, you know, if you see something in the tree, like a white rag or something, and so his friend changes places with him and, and looks out the window, and after a bit, you know, the young man says, do you see anything? Do you see anything? And his friend said, I don't see a white rag. I see hundreds of white rags all over that tree, man. And the young man just broke down. And he knew in that moment that his dad was waving the white flag over his, his pain, over his fight, and saying, we, you, you can come home. And I think you need to remember that's the message behind the gospel message, that no matter how far you've run from God, you can come home. Jesus paid it all on the cross. You have a relationship with God the Father through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And there's a white flag over your life when you feel discouraged, when you feel defeated, when you've been an idiot and you've been running from God. The Lord still says, I I want you to come home. You think of the story of the prodigal son, right? The the young man just runs off, crazy living, spends all his money gambling with girls and having just debauchery. Then when he comes home, finally, one day, the father's standing on the porch, and he doesn't wait for him. He runs to him. You need to know, as a Christian, our message is powerful. Our message is life-changing. Our message is good. We don't serve a, a mean, distant God. We serve a God who loves us and cares for us. And when there's rebellion and when there's disobedience, we've got a God who says, I want you home. Turn from your sin. Come home. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that we can come home through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that you sent your son to die, that whoever would believe in you would, would have everlasting life. They would not perish, but, Lord, they'd have everlasting life. I pray for my friends now that don't know if they have a relationship with you, that they would place their faith in you now. Lord, that there is no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, that you wave over their life this white flag of peace in their life. I pray that they would receive you today by acknowledging their sin, by believing in Jesus Christ as Lord, and confessing Him today. And for all my friends, Father, that want to that relationship restored, I pray that they would come home. We thank you, God, that you're a good God and that you relentlessly pursue us with your grace and your mercy. Might we turn towards you in short circuit? this cycle of disobedience and dysfunction and turn towards you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I pray that you would unleash your Holy Spirit in a fresh and new way in the lives of all these believers to walk more in holiness so that they could experience greater levels of happiness in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.